welcome to this latest episode of Love Service Wisdom with Marissa Rada. I am Marissa Rada, and I am so excited for this week's episode. It's an interview, a conversation with a friend of mine, Chris Gethin. And Chris is, oh, how do I describe him? Basically, he's a, a like very high-level pro-natural bodybuilder. So think big muscles, lots of tattoos, and this one of the sweetest guys and smartest guys you're probably ever going to meet. He is living here in Boise, Idaho, but he's originally from Wales, England. And I probably met him, oh, like four or five years ago through his girlfriend, Sybil, who's a friend of mine. She mentioned him when they first started to date. And then I met him I guess I got to go know him more because he was interested in a few aspects of yoga. And at times when he was looking for a quote unquote yoga expert, he would reach out to me. And um, one fun, fun collaboration that we had was a few years back, he was training for his first Ironman and wanted to add yoga and flexibility into the mix and also meditation and mindfulness. So we got together a few times and um, had a few sessions together. And now he's a hybrid athlete. He's one of the first like pro bodybuilders to cross into Ironman, triathlete, ultra marathon zone. So he's just in a whole league of his own and does so many other things. Like he's got his company Caged Muscles and he's got a whole line of gyms in India. And he, he was once um, editor-in-chief at bodybuilding.com and he's an author. And like I said, he's one of just the sweetest sweetest, most authentic guys. And he's got a crazy mind that you'll hear in this podcast just loves to, um, gosh, like study himself, but in this cool, like quantitative kind of way to be his optimum, most highly functioning self. And as I could hear in the podcast, and you'll see, he's seems like he's set on becoming a centurion, like somebody that lives past a hundred. And if anybody's going to do it, I think he probably will. He's a, he's just an inspiration in so many ways. And so it's kind of fun for uh, me to have this crossover into the world of bodybuilding, which can seem quite uh, across the spectrum from yoga and mindfulness. But I love him and I love what he does and I love what he represents in the world and how inspiring he is. And yeah, I guess too, I remember years ago, anecdotally, uh, Sybil's mother was a little overweight and he really invested a lot of time and energy into her and getting her into a healthy diet and um, more fitness and body aware. And she actually, like, if I remember correctly, just solved or helped, um, helped a lot of her health problems get a lot better. And just, it was really beautiful to witness, especially in their relationship, Sybil and Chris, his dedication to her mom and helping her get healthy. And it was an awesome, awesome transformation. So that's just to say he's a guy, again, with a huge heart of gold and really dedicated to this life path of his, of um, fitness and health and well-being. So that's the conversation you're going to hear today. Chris and I recorded it a few months, or not months, a couple of weeks ago. This podcast hasn't been around for a few months. We recorded a few, we, we recorded it a few weeks ago. And um, if you're listening to it in the month of September, when I'm 
releasing this. I know he's got a retreat coming up in Sun Valley in like mid-October. So if you want to spend some time with him, you certainly can at his retreat in Sun Valley. And if you want to learn more about Chris, it's chrisgethin.com. And that's K-R-I-S-G-E-T-H-I-N.com. Chris Gethin and Cage Muscles and all the things that he does. So that's what's coming up. And then for me, I just got back from Vancouver. I got back earlier this evening with my partner, East Forest, or Krishna, as you'll hear me call him. He and I were there for the premiere of Becoming Nobody, which is a new Ram Dass film that um, just started to get released within the past month. And so there was a premiere at the Vancouver International Film Festival. And um, we went up there so East Forest could perform a ceremony concert before the viewing of or the screening of the documentary. And in the documentary, the last song um, at the very end after the little trailer um, credits segment is one of the tracks from the Ram Dass album that East Forest did or put out this past year. So that was really fun. Everybody up there at the Vancouver International Film Festival is so great. Jacqueline, she's just like, I don't know, so warm and hospitable and hardworking boss lady that I admire. And I met a new guy, Peter, who's from a yoga studio up there. And it sounded like was Jacqueline's inspiration and spirit guide in the yoga realm. And so he was really warm and wonderful. And so was Jamie, the director of the film as well. Really cool guy that was there. So just getting back from that in the documentary though, wow, I didn't know what to expect. I hadn't watched it before uh, last night and it was quite touching and moving. And Jamie did a really wonderful job of creating this arc of Ram Dass's teachings that I felt was really distilled um, so that it could be digested in a non-secular way. It was just basically about the human experience and uh, the conditioning that we're going through when we're born and then the journey to figure out who we are. And so I, I couldn't rec recommend it more. It was just incredible. So that was where I'm just getting back from. And then other big news, my daughter Maya turned 16 this past weekend, which makes me feel old and weird and happy and just a like a whole basket of mixed emotions. And it's been fun with her turning 16 and seeing who she's become as a teenager. And it reminds me so much of who I was and who my friends were and how we were when we were teens. So it's just, that's the weird part. It's like, wow, I don't, yeah, I relate so well and it doesn't feel that long ago. And here you are and you're my offspring and you're living that. So happy birthday, Maya. Happy sweet 16. Love you so much. And um, yeah, this weekend I've got my teacher training beginning at my studio, Sage Yoga and Wellness here in Boise, Idaho. This is maybe about our seventh group of 200 hour vinyasa yoga students who are coming through. Really excited for that. I'll be leading the module this weekend. And if you're interested in learning how to become a yoga teacher, or you'd even just like to take your own personal practice to the next level, you can send me a message. I've got a new teacher training starting in, 
I want to say January. That's a yin 200-hour teacher training. It's one of the very few yin and yoga nidra focused 200-hour teacher training programs in the country. And I do these with um, my my yoga school partner, Naomi Jones, and Marcy Midnight is a big help with us as well. So if you're interested in becoming a yin yoga teacher and learning more about yoga nidra, the meditative practice, um, you can look forward to that too. I've got also just announced a 200-hour yoga teacher training that I'll be co-leading with Naomi and a woman Kara in Merrickville outside of Sydney, Australia. And that'll be in the month of February. So if you're in Australia and you're looking to do a teacher training, if you're in Sydney, um, again, reach out. You can find more information about all that kind of stuff on my website too, marissawepner.com. You can go to that. And a little plug too for a five-star review. It's always appreciated. It helps for sure, on this little journey I'm doing with podcasting, which I'm enjoying so much. So I'd love to hear or read your reviews. And I appreciate the five-star reviews, which helps to spread the word. But mostly, I'm just super grateful that you're listening and you care at all and um, that you're supporting me in this endeavor because I am really enjoying it. So this week is Chris Gethin. My friend here from Boise, Idaho, the who's a, like a again a natural pro bodybuilder extraordinaire, who's an incredible sweetheart, and I think you're really gonna love this episode. Hi, Chris. Well, hello there, Marissa. Nice to be in your uh, your daughter's bedroom. <laughs> Slash study. Slash we're study. We're not just yeah. hanging out on the bed together. No, 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 we're not. And uh, <laughs> I guess you shouldn't tell your, your little one that you're using her bedroom as your studio as oh, well. She's, oh, she's good with that? She's well aware. Okay, cool. Yeah, she she's well aware because this has been up for a while, but she's very generous with her space. I, I like it. I like the look of it as well. It's very spiritual. <laughs> she quite a spiritual kid. Uh, by default. By default, yeah. I like that. That's a that's a big, big dream catcher. Is that's that a dream hers. catcher? Yeah. I mean, I got it for. Yeah. That's from Solulita. So it's one of those gifts where you're like, I'm getting you this gift so I can use it too. <laughs> we do that. I'd always get my dad like awesome CDs that I would love. Well, mm -hmm. they were cassette tapes back then, actually. Uh, just so I could listen to him too. Krishna recently did that for my birthday and I kind of teased him about it. He got me like a vinyl record of his favorite artists. I was like, oh, thanks. And the coffee maker that he wanted. And then... I saw the coffee maker. Yeah. I've become a coffee snob. So I was like, <laughs> I'll check that out. Yeah, he is somewhat of a coffee snob too. And he didn't like my French press. Oh, really? See, I like French press. See, I love, there's a couple of brands that I use like Keon or um, Bulletproof. Mm -hmm. There's a few, a few, and Lids. Lids is my favorite. They do. I don't know if you know Lid Hamilton, the big wave surfer. He's got yes. this coffee and he's got a decaf coffee that is Swiss filtered. It tastes amazing. But, you know, through a French press. Okay. Well, he likes the Kona coffee from Trader Joe's. Kona's good, yeah. Through the drip. That's oh, his right, system. right, through the drip. Okay. Well, each to their own. Everyone's But different. he likes it a little bit lighter. He wants to be able to maybe drink it all day. Yeah, I'm the same. 
Like if I go, if I if I go to a lot of coffee shops and they say, Oh, it's three shots in here, I'm like, no, just one. <laughs> Top of my head will fall off. Uh, you know, I, I think Americans just love their caffeine on the whole. I'm generalizing, you know, so I have to weaken it a little bit. And I was just this instant coffee dude. I just mm. say instant coffee, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Then uh when Sybil my fiance moved in. She came with this coffee machine. I was like, what is this? Started drinking. I was like, wow. <laughs> then I started studying and researching different beans and how they're produced and mitotoxins and mold spores. I was like, now I'm a coffee snob. I'll have just the best. Okay, yeah. good, good. Thanks to Sybil for that education. Yeah. It is something to get into. And to Krishna's credit, he does make me coffee and bring it to me in bed every single morning. So it really was a sweet gift. He's putting a lot of pressure on all the other guys out there now when you said that. <laughs> uh, it's incredibly kind. And I look forward to it every morning. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. So he's the early riser. Yeah, but not too much earlier. Early, just, Like maybe an hour or so. Just enough to make the quaff. Mm-hmm. And then he sets it on the bedside table. He puts a little lid on it so it won't get cool. And then he just waits for me to get up. Nice. Like, do you guys stay up late or are you up early? You know, I used to stay up very late and was a much like a, a significant night owl all the time. And then when I moved here a couple of years ago, that started to change a little bit. And like last night, it was 9.38. And we're looking at the clock on my phone and thinking, I'm about to get into bed. It was kind of confused by that prospect. Um but yeah, I've started to go to bed a lot earlier. Maybe 9, 30, 10 isn't early to some people, but it's really early to me. Yeah. And, and do you, have you noticed that you wake up earlier now because of that or you just have a better night's sleep? I've always slept really well. I'm very blessed that way. And I'll, it's easier for me to get up now. I would say before I would always wake up feeling groggy and always wake up feeling tired and always kind of have that sense of like how, what's the max I can push it? And then I can rush to get it to whatever I need to go do with just enough time. And now I'm not quite that way. Now I give myself space in yeah. the morning. Like you were coming over here at 10. So I'm like, okay, I'll get up at like 7.30, take a shower, do a little work, have something to eat. That's a new habit. Right. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine you having a bad night's sleep. You're such a chilled out character. You could almost fall over. <laughs> You're pretty calm like that, calm and collective. <laughs> And uh, you think about it with your circadian, you know, the natural circadian rhythm. I know everybody has an individual circadian rhythm. They base them off different animals. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think if you look back at our ancestors where they'd go to bed and they'd have their bonfire or whatever and they'd they'd sleep. And then, you know, they'd be uh, going to sleep at dusk and then up at dawn. You know, that is, you know, that's when the light penetrates through your eyelids into your retina Mm -hmm. to wake you up. And if you don't get that in the evening, you don't get to bed at a proper time, you're exposed to all the artificial light, that sedates the release of your melatonin so you don't sleep as well. Yeah, I read something similar where it was mm, about the circadian rhythm. And if you stay at past 11, the energy of the solar cycle is already starting to turn towards sunrise versus sunset. And so you've kind of missed that window again and that release of melatonin is harder to get if you stay at past 11. Yeah, and it's hard to get harder to get to pass your REM phase to get into your deep sleep phase. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, you know, I, I quantify everything. I've got this ring on. It's called an aura ring. 
and it quantifies all my sleep cycles. Is it measuring something? Yeah, it's measuring my sleep cycle. So, well, it measures everything. You know, if, if you think of like a FitWatch. So a it Fitbit. looks like you're wearing a ring. So does yeah. it have like technology inside of it? Yes, exactly. I have it on Bluetooth during a day and it'll still track as long as I put it on every now and again. But even if it is on Bluetooth, Bluetooth it only pulls it or don't only pulses Bluetooth every 15 minutes. So it's not that often, but mm -hmm. I'll always have it off the Bluetooth or on airplane mode, I should say, in the evening, but it still tracks during that time. It's got like nine years of Finnish research for its accuracy on this thing. And you can measure, you know, your miles, your steps. You can put in activity on the app uh, to say, I'm about to work out. I'm better me uh, meditate. So Emily Fletcher of Ziva Meditation, she started, she helped them put together the actual device within the app for meditation so when i meditate in the mm -hmm. morning i'll click it and it'll tell me if my meditation was good calm not good or whatever i like to quantify things because for me sleep has always been very very bad okay. and it kind of forces me so i was in bed at 10 to 9 uh, last <laughs> night 8 50 about the same time yeah and uh, people look at me and think this guy's a party animal i'm far from it you yeah know? you're I'm, not I'm, at I'm, all no not at there's, all there's there's an exterior facade and then there's a big sweet softy exactly inside. i'm a very nurturing kind of guy you know? mm -hmm. yeah i'm not that party animal so what time did you get up then I was up at like five o'clock okay. this morning. I'm usually up around that time, even though I do try to sleep in and say, look, I need to recover a little bit more because it measures my heart rate variability as well. So that dictates if I'm going to have a hard workout that day or a lighter workout. So I do try to sleep in more, but it just doesn't generally happen. And that's why I've been very consistent with my meditation mm -hmm. uh, for the past, say, three months now. And I'm practicing it more and more to try to help me uh through you know that waking up with anxiety i've got to get to my emails got to work got to got, got deadlines i want to try to step away from that so i try not to switch on my phone for a good while that's a really great practice and probably something all of us need to try to enact i know i think of it quite a bit like how can i start my day in the uh without my phone yeah to put it bluntly there's mm -hmm. a company that i forget the name starts with an m i'll be able to let you know maybe you can put it in your show notes uh is they have they're about to release uh both an alarm clock and a phone that is offline so you can take your calls so it's all white hmm. it's all white and it's to get people off their smartphones where they're checking their emails checking their socials you can only take calls so if you want to do a digital detox mm -hmm you get this phone and it's the same with um the, the alarm clock you know has no connection or anything mm -hmm. like that so hmm. you don't have to use your phone in the bedroom as your alarm clock either. right you can use an old school alarm clock yeah we had an old school alarm clock for my daughter maya and just this is coming back to me years ago and sybil she came to our garage sale and she picked it up oh she, yeah <laughs> she bought the alarm clock that is ended it, up in the garage sale. is it like a wind up no it's like four different cubes with oh, numbers. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's a trailhead, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I've seen that because she had it at her other place uh -huh. here in the, in the North End and then it ended up in Trailhead, correct? Yeah. And Trailhead, if I remember, is where the two of you met. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I was downstairs in the basement recording some content for my supplement company and she was working upstairs and I remember she was wearing like these 
shoes that she had obviously painted or sprayed silver. And I was like, <laughs> who is this? And uh, yeah, we got chatting then, but we didn't see each other then for like six months because I had to go back to the UK and then we bumped into each other at a coffee shop and she mm -hmm. looked at me up and down and said, come on over sometimes. So I was like, okay. She said that? She, she, she denies it. <laughs> She'll deny it. She said, come around. And I'll never forget the eyebrow went up. She looked me up and down. So that Monday I was there. Oh, of course you were. Of course. Like a tractor beam. Yeah. I would have followed that signal too. She's very beautiful and so sweet. Very, yeah. very sweet. Very positive person. Very positive. Yeah. I remember her when she met you, her, her telling me about you and her excitement yeah. and kind of this uncertainty. I met this guy. He's a bodybuilder, but he's great. He's so great. He's so sweet. I'm like, awesome. Sounds good. Yeah, I don't think I was her type. No. Initially. You know, she was, yeah, I, I was dressing a lot weird. She <laughs> kept grabbing my breasts. You know, she hadn't uh, been with obviously a bodybuilder before. So, you know, and, uh, you know, we had neither of the same sort of interests, I guess, as far as our careers are uh, related. But that was a good thing. Yeah, That's and good. you seem quite integrated now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And she's become somewhat, I don't want to use the word bodybuilder. Oh, she's been more conscious about oh, yeah. her body and how she eats. And Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's funny because I'd never pushed it upon her at all. You know, maybe some children learn by observation. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she uh, she's found her way to the gym and she loves it now. That's her therapy. You know, mm -hmm. just like, you know, she's... You know, she's stretching first thing in the morning when I come downstairs. She's uh, stretching, doing her meditation and stuff. But she loves working out now. You know, I, I think that's a way of her being conscious of her health. Mm -hmm. You know, if she's working out, she's got to eat well to support it. Yeah. And I'm sure she just learned so, so, so much from you. Yeah, if I decide to tell her the truth. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, obviously there's things that you can learn, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's your application and whatever keeps you engaged at the end of the day, because what may stimulate me and keep me engaged is not going to be the same for her. But so far, a lot of those similarities have crossed. You know, we've both competed in Ironman triathlon. Which we've... blows my mind for her, especially because, again, it was kind of that like I met a bodybuilder sort of uncertain kind of statement. And it's like, I think I'm going to run an Ironman uncertain kind of statement. But she did it. Yeah. And you as well, which is you created a new phrase, or at least it was new to me. A hybrid athlete. Hybrid athleticism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, because a lot of people don't think that you can, you know, train like a bodybuilder, eat like a bodybuilder. However, participate in events like ultramarathon or Ironman triathlon or Spartan or anything like that. So I just, and I've always done cardio every day, a couple of times a day. And I just wanted to prove to people that are in my fitness industry that you should be healthy as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, a lot of people think about performance and health under the same term, there's a huge disconnect there. So I just wanted to show people, look, you can do something extreme or I'm going to go and do something extreme just to prove to you that you can participate in cardio and work your heart health and not wither away and lose all your muscle. You know, you just cannot eat or supplement look like a, a triathlete or a runner. You know, you have to do it a different way and maybe not train as much as they do. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to 
have quality workouts, not saying that they don't, but, you know, a lot of intense workouts as opposed to a lot of long and steady because a lot of endurance athletes do train in what's called like the gray area. It's neither very, very hard or neither kind of recovery slower based. So I like to go into either of those sections. No gray. It's either really hard or long and slow in recovery. And so were you one of the first professional bodybuilders to become an Ironman? As far as I know, yes. I don't know of anybody else that's competed in professional natural bodybuilding as I had and then participated in other events. And you enjoyed it? Loved it. Loved it because it was a different type of mental challenge because I'm used to kind of going into the gym and being psyched up and ramped up for those 45 minutes and get out. And now I had to reverse that process and say, okay, now I'm going to get on a bike and take it a little bit steadier, not hard and intense. And I'm going to ride for an, you know, eight hours. I'm going to go 100 miles. I'm going to go over the border and back, you know, as part of my training. So a lot of it was psychological, you know, because I had to slow down my breath, be calm, and just lose yourself out on the road, you know. But I, fortunately, I'm just in a beautiful area to do that. Uh, very fortunate to run in the mountains. Went for a run with a dog this morning. Mm-hmm. It's just... That's like my active meditation. You know, no phone, no signal, no nothing. Just the sound of your feet and the sound of your breath. And it's something that's kind of lost today because you know the gym rat is usually on the treadmill, on the stairmaster, underneath the artificial light, not getting that, you know, the red restorative red light exposure and just not feeling as good, you know. And there's a yeah. connection, obviously, when you ground yourself, you earth yourself. You know, you feel better, you feel more connected. And uh, I just think there's this so much more that people within my industry could experience if they just get out of the box, as it were. Yeah, well, hopefully, and I'm sure you are an inspiration for that. Hopefully, yeah. Well, there's definitely people starting to do it now because I'll go to the expos and I used to love people coming up and I still do with their before and after pictures and mm-hmm. or I competed in a bodybuilding show or something like that. Because uh, I usually get, I don't get professional athletes by any means. I get usually beginners that have followed my programs or anything like that. And it's helped them overcome obesity or an eating disorder or just feeling, you know, not good about themselves or whatever. But now there's people coming up to me with their medals of, I finished an Ironman Aww. and things like that. And that is phenomenal. That is great to me because I know that's something that you just cannot show up and compete in. Like in bodybuilding, unfortunately, you know, there isn't really a, a vetting process. Like you're not good enough to step on this stage. It's like anyone can really step up on that stage um, where you cannot fake the training to complete an Ironman triathlon. You just cannot. So just to see people actually pushing themselves and not leaving the gym behind right. and doing that and uh, you know, calling themselves hybrid athletes is awesome. It is awesome. It's awesome. I read that. I'm like, wow, that's cool. What does that mean? Oh, wow. That's fantastic. And uh, I'm definitely not a hybrid athlete. My gym experience is limited to having taught at the YMCA, having taught yoga. So I walk through the gym. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Or I take my son to swim lessons. That's my gym experience. Got it. You show up. I show up. But I, and I've had personally a deep ingrained aversion to cardio and to this aspect of like working hard. But just this past year, have I started to run and run? I'll use very loosely, more like jogging. 
junk is fine. That's good. And it feels so great. It feels really great. It has felt like internally I've noticed, have for, I've known for a long time, this sort of shadow aspect of my legs. Like it's a part of my body that I ignore and maybe pretend isn't there. And then so this aspect of running and getting more into uh, hiking and building strength and muscles been incredibly empowering. And have you noticed like an external physical change from doing that? Have I noticed? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because like looking at you, you look like you're very toned and very in shape. Well, you can see my arms. I can see your guns. <laughs> yeah. And so. that's mostly where it is. Arms, I've got a great core strength. I've got great back strength, those kinds of things. And my legs, like I said, I've kind of just, I, I get a leg workout sort of just through the yoga that I do, but not in any intense kind of way. Yeah, you just got to get blood flow to the area because, and I'm generalizing as well, women will have a lessened blood flow to their lower body compared to uh, men. Mm -hmm. So obviously, if you're doing some sort of movement, whether that be low level activity of walking on a stairmaster, cycling, that's always going to be good because that's going to promote blood flow to that area. And then when that blood flow uh, gets, when it goes into like the adipose tissue area, you know, you get an erythema where it gets a little bit red. Mm -hmm. When that goes back into the blood's bloodstream, it'll take some of that fat calories back into the blood flow to be utilized as energy. Well, that's what I've been noticing. A little less fat in the thighs. Boom. There been it commuting is. too, bike commuting, which has been Great. And cool. I've always done that a little bit. Yeah. And recently too, jogging down to Camel's Back, you know, they have that great little workout zone. Yeah. Which I enjoy playing around on those things. And Christian and I were down there a, maybe like a month ago and there was a football lying around on the ground and he picked it up. He's like, do you know how to throw a football? I'm like, do I know how to throw a football? And I actually have like a secret, secret, like superpower of throwing and catching a football. Oh, so really? we'll do that back and forth through the football. There you go. That's awesome. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, well, you know, if you look at um, the blue zones where, you know, you have the biggest population of uh, centenarians, people who live healthy past mm -hmm. 100 years old. I know of that in like Costa Rica. That's Costa Rica is one of them. Yeah, that's the most recent one that's okay. been found. So you've got Okinawa, you've got mm -hmm. Yorba Linda in California. You've Yorba also, Linda, where's that? That's in, in uh, L.A., Okay. LA area. Is it towards Orange County, I think? And then uh, you've got Sardinia as well. That's another one. And, uh, you know, these people aren't working out in CrossFit boxes. They're not participating in triathlon or working out or anything like that. But they are participating in low-level activity a lot of the time. Like a lot of the people in Okinawa, they're, you know, they're, they're studying these people over 100 years old. They sit on the floor. And on average, they're standing up and sitting down about 50 times a day. Okay. That's a resistance exercise on your legs, more bone density. And uh, in Okinawa, they, they also don't have a word in their language for retirement. You know, they always fulfill their purpose. They're moving. Or, you know, if you go to Sardinia, a lot of them are working on a farm and uh, or making bread or something like that and a lot of olive oil obviously some red wine some resveratrol from that but there's a lot of low level activity mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that would make a lot of sense and those zones too a lot of them are near the ocean or on the ocean uh yeah they would be wouldn't they except yeah your belinda i'd say that's probably the most inward inland coasted uh you know is an island there yeah it mm -hmm. is mm. I'm curious, you mentioned before your daily meditation practice. 
So what's that consist of? Okay, so what I've been doing is following a guided meditation because what I've noticed is that I'm very good at uh, finding my weaknesses. Uh-huh. So I've been using a guided meditation pros, uh, practice in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then after about four weeks, I started following it in the afternoon as well. And how long is the guided meditation? Started off at like eight minutes, okay, if not six minutes, maybe in the beginning. Very short, which is good. I needed bite-sized chunks. Is that through an app? Uh, no, it's through an online course. So this person called Emily Fletcher... Uh, she has the Ziva meditation mm-hmm. and uh, I got access to her course, which would get emailed to me every day. And then I could watch that or listen to it whenever I wanted and it'd be listening, not watching. And uh, I'd follow that. So we'd start off at like six minutes and you'd have the meditation and then you'd come out with the mindfulness to set you up for that day. And... Um, I would it would increase up to about 20 to 23 minutes in the morning and then more about like 15 minutes in the afternoon. And of course, you know, I don't expect to get good at it straight away. Just like, you know, whenever I do my uh, seminars, I ask people, how many of you have meditated? Everyone puts their hands up. How many of you meditate? No one puts their hands up because it's hard. It's difficult. And I expect it to be difficult. So, of course, my mind wanders. But like when I've done your classes and your teachers have done the classes Mm -hmm. where I've been inside, they say, look, if there's noise outside, if you hear the dumpster truck, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Invite that noise in. So I've been very cognizant of that now. My mind distracts all the time. On my report cards in school, it would always say, Chris is easily distracted. Every teacher would say that. So I'm, I'm cognizant of that, but I'm, you know, I'm pursuing it. I'm doing it. I'm being consistent. Wouldn't you say, though, that's when you're doing something like training for your Ironman, when you're in that zone, that that's a meditation? Yeah, it is. It's active. I call that active meditation. There's okay. no doubt about it. But I'd like, I like to practice a different type. The resting type. The sitting, resting stillness. Type. Yeah, resting. Because, you know, I think there's a lot of benefit there as well because, number one, I know my cortisol levels don't just have a form of hormesis, which is good for you. You know, your cortisol levels spike when you work out. When I have a hot and cold shower, that's good. That's going to make me stronger. It's going to recover build my immune system. But if I have systemic cortisol levels, Mm -hmm. it could lead to heart disease. It's not good for aging. So that's one thing that I want to control in the morning Mm -hmm. and through various practices of being mindful and spending a lot of time in India. um, There's a couple of, one of my franchisee owners in Mumbai and his wife, they are very, very spiritual, practice meditation. And, you know, I know that they are meditating all day. There's no doubt about it. When they're walking, they're so right. calming. I got this from his wife. That is like, I'm her protector and Aww. she's my protector. And uh, so that is what I would really like to accomplish over time is just being in a state of meditation all the time. Yes. Not allowing, you know, outside external or internal stresses get to me. That's it. That is it. And that is the practice. And you do definitely get there after um, beginning to harness the mind and being able to witness thoughts 
And, you know, a trick with it too, and you're probably aware of this, is when you're having those distracted thoughts, to not have the thought, oh, I shouldn't be having this distracted thought. I'm distracted again. It's just, huh, huh. I had that distracted thought. And so that remains neutral too. I've liked to use in the morning the Muse headbands. Have you I've, heard of that? I've got the Muse. Yeah, I know mm-hmm. uh, Vanita over at Muse. Okay. So I use it. You use it in the morning. Yeah. Interesting. So I use it at night. Okay. Especially when I'm traveling. The thing that I've loved about the Muse, having meditated for years and having this, you kind of get an idea. You think that you know what it feels like when you're meditating. But with the Muse and that biofeedback, you know, the birds will chirp when yeah. you get into the meditative state. And then when that would happen for me, I was able to think, oh, this is what I can note now, what it feels like in my body in the moment when I'm in that space. And so then now I can just tap into that feeling sense again when even I'm not meditating, if that makes sense. No, that makes complete sense. I'd never just thought about using it in the morning. That's a good point, actually. I've always used it at night to try to shut my brain off, to put me to sleep, to, you know, quantify my deep sleep and uh, (laughs) get into that a little bit more. So maybe I'll try that in the morning. Yeah, it's been helpful for me. And it has all those stats with it and you get goals and points and thresholds. And I like that. It doesn't allow you to move on to the next one until you've completed that (laughs) one. Yeah. And how many birds that you get and all of that can make you feel pretty good. Yeah. I I I like the way that, you know, you, if it gets louder, your mind is obviously loud. The Mm -hmm. more that you can quieten it, the quieter your brain is. Mm Mm-hmm. 900 birds in one session, something like that. An aviary, all kinds of things. And then at night, I like to sometimes use a Yoga Nidra app. Have you heard of Yoga Nidra? No. So yoga, obviously, and Nidra means sleep. And so it's yogic sleep. And you're entering into this deep, like uh, slowing the mind, brain waves down. And it's like sleeping you get to this threshold right before going into sleep and so it's this sort of super expansive open states where then you're also using visualizations and guided meditation and imagery and intention setting and it's highly effective really yeah and there's apps like that the one that i have is kamani decides yoga need your app but i'm sure that there's more and that's maybe like 20 minutes, but you can use it at night. I've used it at night sometimes and it's I've fallen asleep while it's been going. So it's the Yoga Nidra app, mm-hmm. but that particular program is what you listen to in the app. It, well, it's it's called Kamani Desai, Yoga Nidra. She's a teacher. She's an Indian right. woman. Got it. And the, the format is called Yoga Nidra. And there's thousands of Yoga Nidra. Yoga Nidra is an right. ancient technology through the yogic system for entering these deep states of meditative awareness through guided visualizations. And they can last anywhere from 20 minutes, which is pretty short, all the way to like an hour and a half. And we you- have we have sessions at the studio now on Fridays. It's a 45-minute yoga nidra session. So students will come in and everybody lays down. They've got their eye pillows and their blankets. And it's a guided meditation all the way through. Wow. What time is that? <laughs> right now it's Fridays at 5.30. And next to Sage. PM. PM. Yeah. Next to Sage, I'm just about to open my own yoga, or sorry, meditation studio. So it'll be a studio just for meditation phenomenal next to sage that's awesome which will have things like yoga nidra but guided meditations and visualizations and all different sorts of things and you'll have early morning classes as well early morning meaning like six or seven yeah yeah 
Perfect. Mm-hmm. Great. Perfect and we also want to have it where um, there's a membership where students can or clients can check themselves in. So you'd have like a key card and you can go into the space and get into your meditation in that space and come and go oh, when there's cool. not a class. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm lucky where I've actually got a meditation room at my house. There's yeah. a, there was a small room there. It's like, what are we going to do with this? I know. It'd be a meditation room. So we've got the pillows in there, got all, all the great stuff on the walls. We've got the, uh, the in, not the incense burner, the... Diffuser. Diffuser. Yeah. Got the Himalayan salt lamps in there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the good setting. Nice. Yeah, that's wonderful that you're getting a daily practice with that. And as you know, just with bodybuilding, the same thing. It's like a muscle that you're building and it comes with practice over time. That's the thing, you know, and that's what I've realized. You you can't just get like big delts or legs in a few months. It's going to take maybe a year and you have to just train those neuro pathways. You know, like people who are swimming, they'll mm. spend years to get precise and you know adapt that type of swimming technique and it's just the same sort of thing you just have to give it time and consistency mm-hmm. no matter how bad you think you're doing <laughs> you know because you have to acknowledge that and i think th- i had a yoga class when i was in india at one of our uh, I gyms i think i saw you in an updog yeah yeah that's right and um I was I was talking to the female there about meditation and everything like that and said that I'm 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 doing it now and she said and I said you know the amount of time you know I've obviously lived here for years in India but I've tried it but never stuck to it and she said well yeah yoga and meditation just has to find you it mm-hmm. has to be at the right time that you feel that you, you can accept it now and I thought you know what you got a right you got a point because I've tried many things many times. Mm-hmm. I just haven't been consistent, but I've been consistent uh, now. So now's the right time. Kind of like me with this jogging experience that I've had. Now's the right time. Yeah. Now's the right time. And with meditation too, there's a teacher, Lauren Roche, who I really love. He's a meditation teacher. And um, he says it should be what you enjoy also. You can meditate in many different ways and it should feel pleasurable to you. So it shouldn't, hopefully it wouldn't feel like a struggle against yourself all of the time to do this practice it can feel really good yeah i I think that goes for pretty much everything isn't it if you're looking at any sort of physical activity if people are following one of my programs and they're just not liking it they're like man i hate you these workouts are (laughs) sickening it's painful i'm like try someone else's i'm never going to be so bold and brash to say my program is the best the best program is the one that you feel engaged with that you're going to stick to that you enjoy exactly Exactly. You know, much like work, you know, people, uh, it's probably the vast majority of the world do a job that they don't enjoy, they don't like, and that's a shame. Find your passion, whatever it is, it's not going to seem like work as much. If I've got one life here, dependence on a religion that you believe in, make sure it's the best that you could possibly live. You know, don't get to the end of your life and have regrets. That's the worst. Because I've spoken to you know a lot of elderly people and there's regrets there. And, uh, you know, we're not going to regret that we slept in more. You know, I wish I slept in more <laughs> or I wish I spent more time on Instagram or spent more time doing a job that I didn't enjoy. You know, just do the things that you're really going to enjoy because, you know, life goes quick. I'm curious if young little Chris, teenager Chris, knew that you would have a passion for bodybuilding. No, 
No, because it wasn't until like I was 25 years old that I started getting into it. What did you think you were going to do when you were maybe like 15? When I was 15, I thought I was probably going to be a professional motocross rider. I didn't think much past that because I was racing motocross mm -hmm. for many years at that point. And uh, I was okay at it. And uh, I didn't think much past that. Um, I don't think too far into the future. I think whatever I do today dictates tomorrow. Uh, but bodybuilding definitely wasn't part of that. And it was only because it alleviated me of the pain that I was going through with my back from motocross that I got into it. Mm -hmm. You know, all of a sudden I felt better. I was alleviated of the pain. I got fitter, so my asthma symptoms were better. And I felt more confident because I looked better then. You know, so that's where the addiction came. And then I went and studied it in college for several years. Where, how did you study it in college? Uh, where? How? Yeah, yeah, both. Ah, in uh, in Wales, mm -hmm. there was a really really good course there. Uh, in uh, called um, it was basically the international health and sports therapy uh, qualification that I got in WWTA is like Welsh Weight Training Federation and, and nutrition supplementation. I also was qualified as aromatherapy, massage therapist, sports massage therapist, physio. It was three years full time. Mm -hmm. and I loved it. I enjoyed it because this was the first time that I was able to retain content. When I was in school, I flunked. I hated school. Didn't like it. People who said to me, this will be the best years of your life. I said, really? It gets worse. <laughs> I didn't like school. I'm very... I'm not a, a, a like a social butterfly by any means, and I, I've never participated in team sports. Never really was good at interacting with other people. I was, you know, I'm I'm good at a distance, not that good up close. So I didn't like school at all. But when I went to college, I was in a different point in my life, and I was actually learning something that I was passionate about, that I was interested in, because now I can improve my life. Much like, you know, I, I, I wish that some kids were, were taught today about health, because they could think better, be smarter, they could interact, they could uh, collect content and retain it easier. And uh, same with finances, you know, we don't tell kids or college students how not to get in debt because they're already in debt in college. And mm -hmm. it starts from there. You know, we're telling people, how did this how you get in debt? Start with a huge college loan. And um, so when I went to college, uh, I, I absolutely loved it because, and I, I passed, you know, at the very top of the classes because I enjoyed it and I wanted to do something like this for the rest of my life. Awesome. And, That's so great you found that at 25. Yeah, it took a lot. Took a while. Mm -hmm. Well, a while. I went through a lot long. of jobs. I mean, a lot of people who are older still haven't found it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. If we're going to compare. Yeah. Yeah. I found yoga when I was in my early 20s and was a yoga teacher by 23 and knew too that this was my life. That's cool. Mm -hmm. And had you, okay, what was your ambitions then when you were like 15? I did not know. I wasn't thinking about um, college or what I was going to do. I knew that I would go to school. In school, I was really smart. I was in the gifted program all the way through and an AP and advanced courses through high school and did really, really well very easily. And... um also had the side of myself that was kind of 
fringe and, you know, I was hanging out with like the punk rockers and the skateboarders and the surfers and, you know, the ones who just wanted to hang out and have a good time. And that was me socially. And so then school, when I went to college, I, you know, maybe thought I was going to do film or something like that. I studied film in high school and television productions. And it wasn't, but at the same time, I was also interested already in spirituality. And so when I found psychology in college, it was like, oh, this is, can kind of tap into that aspect. Psychology bleeds a little bit into this understanding of spirituality that I'm developing. And then when I finally found yoga, it felt like the blend of yoga and spirituality together, which really excited me. And so that's how I knew that yoga would be my life path because it was the two things that I loved the most, which was psychology and spirituality. That's perfect. That's a good hybrid. Yeah, it's a hybrid. And that just evolved. I didn't plan on that. But I knew when I was graduating college, I had my degree in psychology. I just thought to myself, what have you participated in in these past four years that you've enjoyed the most? And if you were going to do something that you only did it because you enjoyed it the most, what would it be? And that was my yoga practice. So then I wanted to become a yoga teacher. That's cool. So your yoga practice, selfishly, that was you uh, participating in yoga for yourself. Yeah. And you just thought, if okay, if this is something that I enjoy selfishly, mm-hmm. I'm going to be selfless and just share it with as many people as possible. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And I didn't think about, you know, I, sometimes I would look back and think, well, why didn't you pick a career path where you knew that you could earn more money or be more successful in whatever way? And, you know, have those silly kind of like... um I don't know, like programmed American thoughts looking yeah. back. Like you you didn't plan this out very well. And I didn't. I didn't have a plan. I was just going based on what I enjoyed and what I loved. And knowing that, I guess somehow I knew well enough that if I followed what I enjoyed, it would be successful and I would make a living and I could have a career. And, I, and it has been. I've flourished as a yoga teacher in so many different ways. Yeah. That's good that you had that trade a thought at that young age as well because you know there is the social pressure to earn a certain amount you get movies out like wolf of wall street for instance <laughs> it's like it's all money 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 and that's where the success and that's where the happiness is yeah and like you know like i see it in india quite a lot if i go and visit some of the celebrities there they're not happy they have all the money in the world you know and they're they're, they're, they're contained. Obviously, they cannot go out and socialize like normal people. I understand that. Yet you have people that, you know, you've been there. It's a third world country, not mm-hmm. much money, not much else. But they are the most successful people out there because they are so happy. They, they, they'll invite you into their home or whatever they have that's made up of a home. Exactly. And that's where the success lies, where we generally don't see or acknowledge or appreciate Mm -hmm. it's very true it's very true yeah so i'm just grateful for having been able to follow that and and not get caught up in that outer paradigm and also too i don't know maybe if this was the same for you i didn't have external expectations from parents or family of you have to follow this path and you have to do this thing i really didn't have any guidance at all and so it was very much on me to figure out my way yeah that's a good thing It was a good thing because then I could just tune into my own heart and feel like, okay, well, what does my heart want me to do versus I know I need to do this for to live up to this expectation. I didn't have that at all. Yeah, I had very much the same upbringing where there was no pressure whatsoever. 
um, you know, I'll, growing up on a farm and we didn't have much money, anything that I wanted, I had to go out and earn. So if I wasn't working on our farm, I was working on other people's farms mm -hmm. and then finding other jobs as like a, a panel beater. Or I don't know what you'd call that here when you're working on the body of cars. What do you call that here? Do you know? <laughs> a body worker. Body worker. <laughs> I guess I'm still a body worker. And, uh, you know, I had to work in bars. I worked on doors. I worked on building sites. Uh, worked in wood furniture, warehouses, everything. Went through it all uh, just so I could have some sort of financial means of independence. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, my parents didn't care what job I picked up, really, as long as I was doing something mm -hmm. to move forward. And uh, I guess... That, that's a good thing because there is a lot of pressure, you know, to do the same as your parents or what they want you to do or become a doctor or anything like that. Yeah. I um, came from very low income as well and had to work my way through and had all kinds of different odd jobs from working as a cocktail waitress and waitress and bart and in the bars and in like, I even would do like day labor, worked in a cemetery doing landscaping, worked as a CNA in a nursing home, worked in retail in a comic book shop in the mall. I mean, pretty much anything I That's might do cool. just to make it by, yeah. just to make it on my own. But it's, a, it's, a, it's just experience at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know, being versatile in all those different functions, you learn how to speak to people differently. You learn how to handle different situations and you learn what you don't want to do as yes. well. Yes, my hardest job for sure was a CNA, a nursing assistant in a nursing home working the midnight shift, like seven at night to seven in with the morning. With these elderly people. Yes. Yeah. So with all the elderlies and that moving their bodies around and taking care of them and all of that, it was the hardest job ever on my body. Mentally hard or physically mm. hard? It was definitely very physically hard. I was also a yoga teacher at the same time. And so I always felt good in my body. But while I was a CNA, my back hurt. My low back hurt all the time. And I'd wear like the, the, like that big waistband for your back, all of that kind of stuff. And I wear still... that for my gut. <laughs> Keep my gut in. <laughs> Immensely it was hard because you're working the night shift, you know, and I would get done at seven, seven in the morning. Oh, so you started like seven at night? Or 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Yeah, I'd done shift work like that too. Mm. That was gnarly. It's the worst. Yeah, I had to do two weeks, 6 a.m. till 6 p.m. And then the two weeks following was 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. And that was a worst shift, the what night was shift. That? that was working in a place called, I think it's Oriole Structures. Is it like an aluminium plant? So we would make- Aluminium. For the Americans, it's uh, aluminum. Aluminum. Yeah. I don't know where that got disconnected <laughs> across the ocean. But anyway, uh, we would be making like the roof rack brackets for like Volvo, BMW, mm -hmm. and we had to pour the aluminum into the metal <laughs> molds and when they'd set, take it back out. And here you had these uh, racks. So, you know, we had to be covered in, I guess, what do you call overalls? But anyway, because you'd be burning yourself the whole time with, wow. with this metal. It's very hot in there. And uh, I didn't like that job, but it was good money. So I did it because I needed the money at that time. And I look did, at I you did now. that for about eight months, I think. Yeah, I still don't have any money, but I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Happy. I can, yeah, I'm happy I can get by. It's funny because when people think, for instance, I, I have a gym franchise. Yeah, all the money is going into growing the, the company. I haven't, And if the company fails, I have nothing, you know, and it, it takes, it costs a lot of investment. 
And the same with the supplement company. You know, the, the supplement company is a very, very sharp margin company because mm -hmm. we decided from the beginning, are we going to have like a subpar company and put all the money into marketing? Or are we going to have like the best quality products and ingredients, fermented ingredients, organic ingredients, patented ingredients with effective dosages and have a very sharp margin just to get by? Let's do that. So we do that. But the thing is, there's this facade people see there online. Is. Got this company, it must reload it. Like, you'd be surprised how little I have in my account. Now I've just paid my quarterly taxes. I am getting by, you know, and, but I'm happy with that because I'm doing what I love. I'm yeah. doing a podcast here with you. I feel present. You know, I'm acknowledging that. So it feels great. You know, I'm not putting shoes on someone, not you know, uh, being condescending towards that. It's just not that I'd want to work in a shoe shop. I'm doing what I love. You are doing what you love and it really, really shows. You've been doing it for quite a while now too. And it seems like it's only continuing to grow. Like with these new gyms that you've created, those are in India, right? Yes. In India so far at the moment, because we feel that is the place that kind of needs them the most. Mm -hmm. You were talking earlier before we started the podcast about the education system the education components through the gyms that was important for you. Yeah, very important because I'd spent a lot of time traveling around India with my clients, working out in gyms and seeing the facilities were subpar. The trainers were subpar. They, they weren't motivated. They weren't recognized and sometimes rightfully so. Um, so I just wanted to change that. wanted to make sure there was a better infrastructure to the gyms. Of course, it's very important to have the right equipment to work with the biomechanics of the body. And it looks good and clean. And uh, But really want to work with the infrastructure of the trainers, the front desk staff, everybody. You know, everyone treat, being treated equally because in India, trainers are not considered as professionals which they should be, mm -hmm. you know, you get some doctors in, in the system, you know, over here and overseas that they only have like three months of qualification or education in nutrition, for instance, but like I had three years, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not saying do not listen to your doctor, but it's our job as professionals to prevent you from ever having to go to the doctor. Uh, so I wanted to make sure that the trainers were recognized and they put themselves on a higher pedestal of professionalism you know they don't do what the clients tell them to do because that's one thing that i found that was uh, very frequent and common there you have to tell the client what the what to do and nothing less so when i was working with uh, a lot of celebrities there i would wait 15 minutes because i know everything's late there in india mm -hmm. but any more than that i wouldn't train them just i'd be gone see you later uh, I, I, you know, you're not there to waste my time. I'm there to get your results and that's what you're paying for. So just implementing that way of thinking has uh, been one of the motivating factors there. So I call these gyms like academies as well. So we have constant education uh, within these places. And, you know, we want, want to work on a sense of urgency as well. You don't have to be a member or a client forever. It should be a very short-term period and then it's a boot camp where you are acknowledged and you have all the tools and understanding of what you need to do yourself following that. If you need accountability, of course, you've got a trainer there. You know, I certainly need accountability. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with my meditation, for instance, you know, having that, um, the course uh, helps. So I understand, the, you know, having that transparency and the accountability. I should have been more accountable with you for your headstand. How's that coming along? Not good. No? No, not good. 
gave up pretty quick on it. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of things that came along. Yeah, because I think doing the headstand, I thought, well, I kind of need some help here, you know, and I guess I never really reached out to Sybil enough to say, can you help me with this headstand? or anyone at the gym, or anything like that, because I needed someone there. Because I, I get vertigo. I think I told you this yeah. before. Like, I don't have... I have a fear of heights, and I feel that same fear when I'm trying to stand stand on my head. Yes. You know, like, I can stand there and get vertigo, try to change the light bulb, I'll get dizzy. Try to jump off a rock into the river here, I'll get dizzy. Get me to jump out of a plane, or do a bungee jump, or jump 40 foot on a motocross bike, easy. Hmm. No problem. So it's weird things. So and standing on my head was one of them that kind of freaked me out, and I just felt like I needed guidance. Well, we can work on it some more. Okay. And students often feel that way when I'm teaching um, students to do headstands. There's the fear response that comes up. You don't want to hurt yourself. You don't want to fall. That natural instinct. Yeah. And I remind them that it feels like you're falling, or this the same sense of like standing on the edge of a ten story building and looking exactly. over. It feels that way. Exactly. We all feel that way for some reason. And so you just have to like logically tell your mind, I'm not, I'm right on the ground already. Yeah. I'm not going to hurt myself. It'll be okay. It is odd. Yeah. Your head is on the ground. <laughs> like you should be less conscious because your head is usually, well, in my case, I'm only short, like five foot eight off the ground, but your head's <laughs> on the ground. What's it to be scared of? It's weird. And how do you lose this from being a kid when you could do that? Mm. No problem. Wouldn't care. And then there you are as an adult thinking that you're going to break. <laughs> it's odd. It's built in. It's built into the system for some reason. Yeah, I wish I could unplug that one. Yeah, we'll work on that. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to hold you to that one. <laughs> what else? Do you have anything else going on or coming up? Okay. Uh, so what do I have going on at the moment? Um, well, I decided this year I'm not going to participate in any events because I've been competing in something. Expos, competitions. Well, well expo, not so much expos. I will be doing expos. Um, but no Ironman. No Ironman triathlon, no ultramarathon, no Spartan, no bodybuilding, nothing. Because I've been competing in something, whether it be motocross or downhill mountain biking or something every single year since I've been about like six years old. And I've kind of liked the pressure. It's given me a sense of urgency. Um, but I thought, you know, my goal this year is not to have any goals. Mm. I'm not going to have any. I'm not going to try to reach for anything physical like that. And I wanted to kind of step back and rehab my body a little bit because I've been grinding and burning the candle at both ends. You know, because a lot of people think, well, if you perform better, if you look fit, you must be healthy. And it's not the case. So I've been spending a lot of time quantifying a lot of things. I, I had stem cells earlier in the year. I flew to Columbia and had stem cells put in, I had, a, had acute stem cells. So I had uh, elbows done, my shoulders, uh, my, my knees, everywhere that I know that I'm going to go through wear and tear because, of course, I want to live a long life. I want to increase my health span, but I want to kick ass while I'm here because okay, I may study the centenarians and see what they do, but I don't want to just like kind of do nothing and not participate in activity and sit on a sofa and be libidoless or anything like that. I actually want to kick ass while I'm here. So, you know, the stem cell was part of it. And then just doing a lot of various things to help with the anti or with the aging process, reverse aging. Mm -hmm. So I have my telomeres 
tested. You should have your tele telomeres tested. I don't uh, even know what a telomere is. So a telomere, basically, if you th this is the way that it is described. If you think of like your shoelace, you have the capped end of your shoelace. Uh -huh. And then over the years, as you get a little bit older, it frays and it gets shorter and shorter. That's what the telomere in our bodies, the telomeres, uh, resemble. And okay. they're cells? They're no, no, fibers? No, they're, they're like fibers, yes, but they're like DNA attachments. Okay. Okay, they flare out from your DNA. And uh, the idea is if you, you know, the, well, if you measure your telomeres, that kind of dictates your biological age. You know, we'll always mm. complain, oh, but I'm 40 years okay. old or 50, I'm getting old. Well, no, you're not. It goes by your biological age, not your chronological age. Gotcha. So you can test your telomeres. And uh, based on that, you know what you need to work on. You'll get information, and you, you should. You, you, I, I kind of know anyway what to work on to help with that. So, what's your telomere age? Uh, my telomere age at the moment is uh, 41. 41. So a little bit older than you are. No, I'm 45. Oh, you are on Monday. Yeah. Oh, 45. I thought on you Monday. were like 37. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> the meditation's <laughs> been working. I was sure you're younger than me. No, no, no. How old are you then? I'm just 40. Oh, there you go. See, you're a young pup. Yeah. You're okay. a kid. Well, happy early birthday. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So anyway, uh, so I've gotten it down to 41 and my goal is now to continue to get it lower and lower and uh, doing various things like the meditation or reducing my cortisol levels, participating in low level activities. So I'll be on my treadmill desk. Uh, if I cannot get out into the sunlight, like when I was in India, I was there for two weeks and I did get, I didn't get and I didn't get outdoors once, oh, no. not once when it was daytime, other than to go from the hotel to the car, to meetings, to seminars, etc. Um, so I have what's called like a juve panel, which is infrared light that gives me that restorative red light. So it's a biohack. Mm -hmm. So I have what's called a juve go, but at home, if I know I'm going to be inside all day, I have a big panel there to give me that restorative red. And if I'm under the artificial light, I'm a lot of the time I'll cover my eyes with the blue light blocking glasses mm -hmm. so I can still release my melatonin when I go to bed. And uh, I have what's called like a PMF device, PEMF, as a pulse electronic magnetic field therapy device to help charge your cells is that the one body. where you put your feet on it you can put your feet on it you can lie on it on you thinking about the vibrational plate vibrational mm. platform you can put your feet on it you can lie on it mm -hmm. you can even have a pillow there's a place here in boise called active health and wellness and uh, it's owned by dr jason watson he's got like a high grade pemf device it's probably cost about twenty thirty thousand dollars wow uh, the one that I have is more like a trickle charge. I use a Biomat. Have you heard of Biomat? Biomat, yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah, I use yeah. that all the time. So is it to help earth yourself, ground yourself? Ground and just clear. And yeah. I, I love the warming aspect too. It's, you know, it's like tubes of amethyst crystals yeah. that are infrared heated. And just that the, and the energy through the body, I really enjoy. It's very calming, very That's grounding. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I need to, do you use crystals? Yeah, look, I got a big one right here. 
I use crystal. Ah, I have it one right. in my pocket. I almost always have a crystal in my pocket. Perfect. Crystals That's one thing around. I'm yet to explore. Like Sybil's got various stones and crystals at home, but I don't know anything about them to explore them. But that's oh, the next thing is, I want to look into. There's so much technology. There's so much information. Yeah. And that's a problem as well. One, one thing that I try to do is knock myself out from a lot of the EMF radiation mm-hmm. that we've got. Anything that I know that is going to have an effect on my my mitochondria so this is the year of anti-aging uh so i'll have like emf scramblers like on my computer mm-hmm. on my laptop when it's sitting on my lap because i don't i don't want my testosterone or my testes to shrivel up How into raisins or anything phone? like that I have my phone usually on airplane mode. I do have a couple of magnets that mm-hmm. go on the back of my phone that help scramble the EMF as well. But I, I, I need to get a, a cover. There's a company called Blue Shield where I can get all that stuff from where I have like the computer cover cases. Yeah, and Krishna's stuff. just got this like leather phone holster carrier thing that he he's he's happy he has. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's good. You know, the work, the more you can scramble it, the better. You know, make sure you switch your Wi-Fi off and at night and uh, you know don't have these things pinned to your face all the time no he always wants me to use earbuds too when i'm talking Simple earbuds things like that. yeah you can use earbuds you're going to be even better with a cable because again that's bluetooth well no i don't have i don't use the earbuds that are bluetooth i have a cable like these all here. right got like it that. those perfect yeah. yeah he's a good man he is yeah he takes care of me yeah that's a way to do it yeah so it's just all these little tiny things like i have an infrared sauna at home i just came back from dmb yesterday with a galvanized like trough yeah uh so i can bath in out with ice because have I you want... tried wim hoffing yes yeah the wim hoff uh, breathing techniques mm-hmm. yeah for sure yeah the guy's a freak <laughs> like he's broken was it you like say seven that. seven or eight world records though like i think he holds the longest world record of being submerged in ice for one hour and 45 minutes it's like <sighs> unbelievable i'll do three to five yeah yeah, so I want to mimic, you know, what we were talking about earlier, like the Banya sort of mm-hmm. Russian bath of the infrared sauna. Then I'll have the bath, and then I'll go and sit in the kitchen, drink some tea, lounge out, repeat. Mm-hmm. We're building a sauna in the backyard. That's the fall project. Nice, a wood-fired sauna. Cool, great. That's with a, a good. plunge too. The same thing. Awesome. Mm-hmm. We'll have to have parties. We'll have to swap. It's <laughs> our place this week. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, you've got yours going now. Yeah, so you're welcome anytime. Thanks. So, but I get to go in the bath water first. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I've got an infrared sauna there. I like the infrared because you don't have to be in it quite as long. It isn't that uncomfortable immediately. Mm-hmm. You kind of get cooked a little bit more below the epidermic layer. So, I like that. It's nice. Do you float? I have been to the float center here. Yeah, still water. Is it Zeren? Zeren that owns I'm, Zeren Beatty? Yeah. Is the manager there? Uh, yeah, I've been there a couple of times and uh, floated. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I took Sybil down there. She felt a little bit anxious in there, I think, the first time, but because you, you can. I think a lot of people will get into a space like that or meditation mm-hmm. and they get really anxious because they are not aware that they're going to be completely mindful of nothingness there because yeah. they're so used to a call, distraction, swiping, whatever to activate their brain. And now they're supposed to have nothingness and they don't know what that's like. 
could be a shock and they get anxious. Yeah, I could see that. I enjoy it a lot. I often do like a like a mantra meditation practice in that space or into the nothingness space. So when you say the mantra, Mm -hmm. when you're in, like, for instance, you're in the salt water Mm -hmm. and you're a float tank, Mm -hmm. like, are you saying it out loud or just in your No, internally. I haven't tried it out loud, but now I'm thinking it might be a cool echo. Yeah, it would be. It'd be cool acoustics. Yeah, no, it's an internal practice. I've turned towards mantra meditation practice a lot more recently. I've had it in my background for a long time, but I have been noticing just... um, the potency of the frequency that it creates, I'm, I guess I'm tuned more into the refined sense of what the frequency of the mantra is. And I can really see it activate through my life in a, uh, in a, in a bigger way than I used to. Interesting. So if you activate it during that time of meditation, you find it lingers throughout the day. and Yeah, I think of it like tuning myself into a certain frequency on a radio dial when yeah. I'm using a mantra and then I'm attuned to that frequency. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Are you allowed to share that mantra or is it something that is I mean, there's all different kinds that you could use and I use several different kinds. An easy one to remember is the word Ram, R-A-M, wow. like Ram. Yeah. Ram, 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 Ram. And you just say that over and over. You just say it over and over. And sometimes I'll say it quick and sometimes I'll say it slow and sometimes I'll intentionally take it into... Uh, like a cadence, but when I'll just, you say that, what are you being conscious of? What are you focusing on? Anything? The word, just the word, and that's it. But I've noticed that I can be saying the word and be thinking of other things at the same time, right? And so then, when I notice that, I try to go back to just focusing on the word. But then I guess I'm also aware of the energetic sense that the word is creating. Like I'm aware of the feeling that it's engendering. Okay. If that makes sense. That makes sense. I'm just wondering if you're picturing the word as well. No. I don't see like R-A-M. Right. Not with like paisley colors or tie-dye colors or anything like that. No, I guess my internal, my inner vision is, it could, uh, more of like, just like the blackness, like how it is when you close your eyes, right? Mm. And so there's colors and lights and, and black and space, but you could visualize letters mm-hmm. mm, okay interesting i'd really like you to get your tele- telomeres tested checked because i yeah. reckon you would be very very young very your biological age based on just how calm you are mm-hmm. from what i've experienced and the vibration that you give out i think i think you'd be very good like there's a company called tello years mm-hmm. there's several companies out there but tello years is one of them um that it, it doesn't cost much it's under a hundred dollars is it like a dna sample it's it's not so much a dna um like dna is like a saliva test yeah. or whatever they'll send you a test and you do a blood prick okay. so it's a blood sample mm-hmm. and uh you send that off because the thing is with these, these dna tests there's so many different dna tests there's somebody there's a journalist um who just did a study i don't think i think it's for the new york times but this journalist, she's from the UK, and she tested three different com- companies and got three different results. Hmm. You know, one would say that you should participate in endurance or high volume work, and the other one said, well, you should do uh, more anaerobic work. You know, so a lot of it can be very conflicting. I've never done a DNA test. Like, I haven't done the 
what is it, 23 and 23 Me or something and me, yeah. like that? I haven't done that. So the 23 and Me is interesting because you can get a good overall picture from that. Uh, but there's a friend of mine called Dr. Anthony J who's got a software that takes a much, much deeper dive uh, with those tests that can tell you everything on uh, in regards to your pain tolerance. And when I did this, it was fascinating because everything that he delivered backed up my blood tests. You know, I do not um, produce vitamin D from the sun, so I have to supplement very high dosages with vitamin D. He could, t he told me that I have very high levels of iron in my blood, so I have to dump blood. I can't give blood in this country or in the UK, unfortunately. So I have to just waste it. Have mm. to uh, just dump it. And there's a lot of things that you can tell from from these uh, from these DNA tests that are. That are spot on you know and it's good because then you can see exactly you know what your ancestors ate maybe it's more sweet potatoes as opposed to grains mm -hmm. so you'd eat more citrus fruits over anything else you know so you can eat specifically and you take a, a little bit of everything obviously because everyone's following keto or veganism or but there should be some sort of crossover where there should be like plants there should be fruits and uh you know, at least you can kind of hone in on which types you should be uh, uh, consuming. It's amazing. It's amazing listening to you describe the uh, level, the high level of self-knowledge that you have about your individual organism. It's inspiring. And it reminds me, too, of the yogis. Like the yogis were doing these experiments on themselves to basically dive into what are the heights of human potential. Yeah. You know, if I do this exercise or this breathing practice, this is how I feel and that feels good and I want more of that or I can have more mental clarity or longevity or better health. Yeah, for and sure. you're doing it from kind of this outward scientific angle of testing yeah. to receive the information, but really implementing it too. Yeah, I, I, I love, I'm obsessed of that quantification. You know, mm. um, up until like last week, and I'll put it on probably next week now, I have a 24-hour blood glucose monitor that I've been wearing. So it's basically a needle that's in your shoulder 24-7. And it's, uh, it's a, called a Dexcom G6 that is reserved for diabetics. I'm not a diabetic by any means, but I want to know what happens if I eat quick oats as opposed to rolled oats and what effects that has on my blood sugar levels. I love kombucha. I am not drinking kombucha anymore because my <laughs> blood sugar levels went through the roof when I had that, you know? So I love that quantification mm. that I can see in real time. Okay, if I do have that kombucha, but then if I go for a 10-minute walk straight after, oh, wow, it brings my blood sugar levels down almost immediately. So now I know if I want kombucha, I got to go for a walk. How do you feel uh, when your blood sugar is high? You don't really feel anything, you know, uh, not to the extent of obviously like a, a, a diabetic would. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've seen uh, like when I was in India, I met with this woman who gave me 50 case studies of people who wear blood glucose monitor. And uh, she's actually got these people wearing blood glucose monitors. Let's say a wife is a diabetic and a husband isn't or vice versa. And they're eating the exact same foods, but completely different results. So, you know, the person who's non-diabetic aren't really getting the effects mentally. Mm -hmm. And you can actually just see it. You know, there's a, a transmitter, there's a sensor, then a transmitter and you have a receiver. And you can have it on the app so you can actually see in immediate time more than anything as opposed to feeling it. Mm -hmm. You know, I can feel it when my blood sugar levels are low, 
There's no doubt about that. Yeah. You know, I don't feel quite as focused, a little bit low in energy. When I was in India, I was definitely having a hard time to keep it up. Mm-hmm. Like my alarm has not gone on once to say it's too low. Until I got to India, it was on nearly every night because, or every day, because I was training really hard, had very, very little sleep. Um, so I should have just compensated with more complex carbohydrates, but I wasn't. And uh, even though you think you're training hard and you think you're driving through and you are focused and you are energized, you know, your heart rate variability or your blood glucose levels can tell you quite differently. So you need like, okay, I need to back it up. I need to chill out a little bit. I think a lot of high level athletes like endurance athletes do that all the time. You see a lot of amazing triathletes here in Boise and they're training hard every day because they're mentally disciplined to do so. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean that they're progressing at the rate that they could do if they just pulled it back a little bit, took a couple of extra rest days, or took an easier day to you know to go long and slow, as opposed to just hard and fast. Yeah, yeah. But I love all this quantification. It's, it fascinates me. I can so, see it just lights you up. Yeah. So I like I'll plan on wearing that twenty-four uh, hour uh, Dexcom monitor for about a year and just analyze everything that I've done and then utilize that for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you'll put that on soon, wear it for a year. And this is your rest year, you said. Yeah, I have been wearing it, but you know, the, the sensor, the, trans, the transmitter lasts for about three months. Then I have to replace the transmitter and the sensor only lasts for 10 days. So I just run out of that sensor. I got more sensors at home, but I thought I'll just take a few days off. Yeah. Okay. You know, last year, I remember, I think it was last year, a conversation I had with Sybil. She, she said the two of you were thinking about going to Burning Man. Yeah, that was true. That was true. <laughs> yeah. It's not happening this year. It's not. No, it isn't. A lot of our friends are going. The, the person that's actually filming me for the video series that I'm currently shooting every day is uh, going. It's next, next Thursday, I think he's leaving. And uh, yeah, that is definitely on our billboard to go. But I think I might be doing something different this year now. And I, I had to kind of make that choice. Mm-hmm. So I think I'll be going down to Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. possibly going down there. So I had the choice. It's either Burning Man or Costa Rica. And I think it's going to have to be Costa Rica. I might have chose Costa Rica. I'm going to Burning Man again this year. Of course you are. <laughs> but... It'd be rude not for you to go. <laughs> I would love to see you and Sybil down there though. Yeah, I, I, it's definitely there. It's definitely up there for sure. It's just not this year. But I imagine listening to you too, it might, you're going to have a hard time with the things that you like to keep regular. I'm pretty good at switching off, you know, if I don't, if I'm not going to work out for a week, fine. You know, I like to practice various disciplines. I can't remember the last time I had a warm shower because I like to practice being comfortable, uncomfortable. You know, I I like that. Um, You know, I I fast a lot of the time now. Is it good for my health? Yeah, of course it's good for my health, but I don't do it for those reasons as much as I want to practice another discipline. Mm -hmm. I don't like being hungry. So you know what? I'm going to go hungry. You know, if someone tells me you're going to suck at something, I'm probably going to try it and okay. do it. Okay. Well, then you'll feel good with all the things that will make you uncomfortable yeah. while you're at Burning Man. Yeah. And I'd be pretty good in that setting. Like I, I Oh, you'd be great. If, if I hadn't got into fitness, I definitely would have been in the music industry because I love music. I mm-hmm. go to a lot of gigs. I, I've been to a festival every single year since 1993. Haven't missed a festival. Where'd you go this year? 
Uh, this year, where did I go? And I really didn't like it that much, is EDC. Okay. I went to EDC and I went to, on the Paradiso was last year, I think. Was Paradiso? Yes, it was. It was EDC. I went down there. And do you know what? I had the biggest hangover for like three days. And it wasn't drugs. It wasn't alcohol. I know it was from the electronic magnetic field, the EMFs. Oh, wow. Because down, like no one's phones work down there because there's that many people in this speedway. And it was an electronic music f- yeah. festival. So the, everything around you was just lights and big stages. Everything was electrical-based, radiation-based. And you're staying in Vegas. Yeah. You know, and I felt terrible. For several days following, I felt down, depressed, tired, just drained. And I know it was from that. Yeah. So I, was ne- I, th- I thought, I'm never going to expose myself to that again. Yeah, I've had no desire to get down to EDC because I I can feel the hangover just thinking about it. Yeah, it's full on. Like, I had a good time. Like, one of the people that I was transforming, I put through a tr- transformation of video series, mm-hmm. a local guy called Kai Wachi. Do you know him? He's, Here in Boise? Yeah, he's a very well-known uh, DJ. Oh. So he was playing at Red Rocks on like the Friday and on the Saturday and Sunday, he was playing at EDC. Mm-hmm. So we went down there to cover some footage with him and have a good time at the same time. And uh, that's you know one of the main reasons. And it was good because there's a lot of us down there that all knew each other. So it was a good time for that, for that matter, for that yeah. fact. But like I used to go to all the, the like the Glastonbury festivals and you know the Reading festivals, Leeds festivals, Phoenix festivals. I just love those. A lot of alternative music festivals and uh, I like Tree know, Fort. Tree Fort, yeah, Tree Fort's a good one. Mm-hmm. But it's not as much of a like I like a camping festival. Okay. You know what I mean? That's what I consider a festival. What do you camp you in? Camp do you have an R V or a tent or tent. Okay. Yeah tent. I I've just got a shift there. pod. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. I just upgraded. Really? Have you tried it out yet? I am bringing it to Burning Man. Perfect. Yes. That's a go. Yeah, I love camping. Yeah. I'm thinking maybe just head on up to Stanley this weekend and just camp out there. Nice. We were like thinking it. the same thing. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Like Redfish area and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe go up there tomorrow because first come, first serve now. <laughs> you know, it's like back in the day. When I say back in the day, back like... 10, 12, 13 years ago, you'd go up there. It was easy. Yeah. Now with the population increase, it's insane. It's fall. Yeah. It's hard. That was that was the conversation we had. Well, it's the weekend. It's going to be busy. Yeah. Will it be really busy because it's the last weekend of the school holidays? Does everybody like well, to get their last some hurrah? some schools started this week. Like my son started school this week. So maybe it won't be that bad. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Because Sybil was like, oh, surely all the parents will be getting their kids ready. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not a parent, so I have no idea. I well, kids are back in school, or they'll be getting the kids ready. I think you should go. I think you'll. I yeah, think you'll find we're, a spot. We're heading. We're heading up there, regardless. I just need to dust off some of the camping gear. <laughs> well, it's been so great having this conversation with you. I know we could talk for a lot longer, but I don't want to keep you. That's fine. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. I just wish I could sit in this chair cross-legged like you. <laughs> I'm jelly. You don't have much to be jealous of over here. 
You've got you've got a great program happening there. It's yeah, really I just but I want better. I want you want that. better. So okay, we'll get your lotus that. happening. I need to practice that without my knees falling off. Yeah, we'll do some more yoga together. Okay, cool. Well, thank you again. No, thank, thank you. you very much. I appreciate it. And uh, next time we'll be speaking with you on my podcast. Sounds good. All right, hold Let's you do to that. it. All right, Thanks. thank you.